You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. Our reading today is taken from the Common English Bible, the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 1 to 4. Nonetheless, those who were in distress won't be exhausted. At an earlier time, God cursed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but later he glorified the way of the sea, the far side of the Jordan, and the Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch-dark land, light has dawned. You have made the nation great. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice. As on the day of Midian, you have shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders, and the rod of their oppressor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's sing the reprise of More Light. retired Bishop Joe Pennell taught a class and I was fortunate enough to take this class one year at seminary. And as part of this class, he shared how his very first church had the American comedian Minnie Pearl as a member. And it might be intimidating to preach to someone that's famous, but he really learned a lot from her. She was able to help him learn more about the art of storytelling and she offered him feedback on the timing in his preaching. So this morning, I'm going to take some advice that I've read is credited to comedian George Burns. He said, the secret of a good sermon, have a good beginning, have a good ending, and have the two as close together as possible. (laughs) So preachers have to be careful when they plan out a worship service. It's vital to work hand in hand with your director of music. I heard about one preacher who was wrapping up a very powerful sermon on temperance, abstaining from alcohol. He was going on and he said, if I had all the beer in the world, I'd take it and I'd throw it in the river. The congregation nodded their approval. He went on to say, if I had all the wine in the world, I'd take it and throw it in the river. The people were clapping and cheering and shouting, amen. Finally, he concluded, if I had all the whiskey in the world, I'd take it and throw it in the river. As he sat down, the song leader stood up and very timidly announced for our closing song today, let us sing hymn number 365, Shall We Gather at the River? (laughs) 
The river can be a tempting place for folks to gather on Sunday morning when they hear the fish are biting. So one weekend, a man decided to skip worship service one Sunday to spend the day out in nature, down at the river with his fishing gear. As he's walking down the trail with his gear, he slips and he falls and he goes down to the embankment and he's twisted his ankle. He made such a racket. He caught the attention of a bear who's quite famished from hibernating all winter. So as this ferocious bear is charging toward the fisherman, in a panic, the man begins to pray and he says, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me for skipping church today. Just grant me this one wish. Make that bear a Christian. All of a sudden, the bear skidded to a halt. He fell to his knees. He clasped his paws together and he began to pray out loud. Dear God, please bless this food that I am about to receive. (laughs) And finally, the last one, have you heard about the parents who had two little boys who were always getting into trouble? The parents were at their wits end and they reached out to their pastor for help. The pastor agreed to meet with the parents and their sons, but he wanted to talk to each son individually. So the pastor brings in their, uh, the parents bring in their younger son first and they all sit down and the pastor looks sternly at the little boy and he says, Where is God? Well, the little boy doesn't say anything. So the pastor repeats the question, but even in a more stern tone. And he asks, where is God? Again, the boy doesn't make any attempt to answer. So the pastor raises his voice and he shakes his finger in the boy's face. And he asks, tell me, son, where is God? And at this little boy gets up, runs down the hallway and he hides in the bathroom. His older brother follows him in and he asks, what happened to the pastor's office? The younger brother replied, we are in big trouble. God is missing and they think we did it. (laughs) So I don't normally start a sermon off with a joke, much less a whole bunch in a row. But this week, our scripture from Isaiah talks to us about how God has increased the joy of the nation of Israel. And joy and laughter go hand in hand. And yet, for all the times we talk about the joy of the Lord, how often in church do we invite laughter as part of our liturgy and our song? An article in Time Magazine back in 1994 talked about just such a phenomena. They entitled their article, Laughing It Up for the Lord. It talks about a church in London. It says, it's Sunday evening in London's fashionable Knightbridge neighborhood. Though pathetically tiny flocks of Londoners attend many Anglican church services, Holy Trinity Brompton has a standing room only turnout of 1,500 people. Oblivious to the hot airless sanctuary, the youthful throng buzzes with an anticipation more commonly found at a rock concert or a rugby match. After the usual scripture readings and prayers and singing, chairs are cleared away. Pastor Nikki Gumbrell prays that the Holy Spirit will come down upon the congregation. And soon a woman begins laughing. Others gradually join her with hearty belly laughs. A young worshiper falls to the floor, hands twitching. Another falls and then another and another. 
Within half an hour, there are bodies everywhere, laughing, roaring like lions, uncontained in their laughter. This frenzied display has become known as the Laughing Revival, or some call it the Toronto Blessing from the city that popularized it. Those similar emotional outbursts are found in some U.S. Pentecostal and charismatic circles. This laughter is new for straight-laced Anglicans, and these services are catching on. So this article is citing a church in Toronto that for 12 years had worshipers gathering and the Holy Spirit showing up and blessing those people with the gift of laughter. It was incredible to watch some videos this week of people who had been in a service and talk about what it felt like to have the Holy Spirit touch their hearts and for them to immediately laugh in a way that they were not controlling. Now, I've never personally been part of this type of a service. But I have been part of one that was called Holy Humor Sunday. It's an old Easter custom that some folks are hoping to revive. For centuries in Orthodox, Catholic, and Protestant countries, the week following Easter would be a week filled with parties and picnics to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And the Sunday after Easter is known as Bright Sunday. Churchgoers and pastors would play practical jokes on each other. They would sing and they would dance and they would celebrate. And the whole reason for this is because there are uh, some theologians in the early church, folks like Augustine, Gregory of Nyssa, John Chrysanthemum, who would say that God played a practical joke on the devil at Easter. God tricked the devil because Jesus did die, but then Jesus was resurrected. And so people call this the Easter laugh or the Rhesus Pascalis. In 1988, the Fellowship of Mary Christians began to encourage churches to practice this holy humor Sunday. Their theme was Jesus is the life of the party. Laughter is good for us for so many reasons. This week, there was an article in the Washington Post with the headline, Laughter Really Is Contagious, and That's Good. In that article, it said that laughter's positive psychological and physiological responses include lessening depression, lessening anxiety, increasing feeling of relaxation, improving cardiovascular health and releasing endorphins that boost mood and even increase tolerance for pain. Laughter has so many beneficial qualities, but sometimes we are too worried or too weary to laugh. If laughter is contagious, we can prime the pump, so to speak, Even when we are tired and worry, if we listen to others laughing, it can get us ready to laugh. The article in the post talked about all the physiological ways that laughter is seen to be contagious. But for me, I know it's true because if I listen to a baby laugh, oh goodness, that gets me laughing in no time. A baby's laugh is so joyous and pure that it just touches something in my soul and Freeze my heart to laugh. We know not all laughter is the same. 
there is malicious laughter, laughing at a person, not with a person. Sometimes we have nervous laughter when we're uneasy and we don't quite know what to make of a situation. And sometimes people will even try to manipulate others with humor, trying to diffuse an angry situation with a joke. Laughter may not always signal joy. It might reflect social discomfort, social dominance, or someone humiliating another person. There are some people who try to get the quickest and easiest laugh they can get at the expense of another person or a group of people. That is not the spirit of joy that comes from God that we are embracing this week. The laughter that Isaiah is referencing in his words on joy is one that comes after great stress and oppression. It is the laughter and joy that comes in relief after great tension. If you recall last week, our passage from Isaiah was reminding us about people who had been in oppression for three generations. They had been exiled from their homeland. They had been moved into captivity and they suffered for three generations. And so it is to these people that Isaiah is saying, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in a pitch dark land. Light has dawned. You have made the nation great. You have increased its joy. And they rejoiced before you as with joy at the harvest, as those who divide plunder rejoice. As on the day of Midian, you've shattered the yoke that burdened them, the staff on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor. Isaiah is praising God for the liberation that would come to the people who had been exiled and oppressed for three generations. And he is saying the response to this liberation would be extreme joy. Well, most of us listening to this have not been exiled and oppressed in the way that these people had. But this week, a woman shared with me a story that feels a little closer to home about how extreme joy can be a gift from God and a reaction when we are freed from something that burdens us. She told me about how she had planned to have laparoscopic surgery in December. And as preparation for this surgery, she had to have a scan of her whole abdomen. And this scan revealed a very surprising result that she had an aortic aneurysm. She had no symptoms of it, and it was actually quite severe. It was 6.5 centimeters, which for a woman is very, very severe. She postponed her original surgery, and she immediately was put on the schedule for a cardiac surgeon to go in and replace one of her heart valves. Her surgery had significant risks. She had to do all the things she could to avoid having this aneurysm burst. And it caused her to face the real possibility of dying. She has since had her open heart surgery and she is recovering well. And she told me that one of the surprising experiences she's had since surgery has been moments of overwhelming joy. She had already been a pretty happy and joy-filled person before this. But she said these moments of joy feel like a divine gift. We can all 
open our hearts to the divine gift of joy. We don't have to wait until we are facing death. God has liberated us from the power of sin and death. And that alone is enough to invite our response to be one of joy. So this week, our spiritual practice is the spiritual practice of laughter. If you're here in person, I hope that you'll take one of these home. There are a few suggestions on there that might support this practice of laughter. Feel free to use them or think of your own. But there is a prayer that I invite you to pray every day this week. I hope you'll put this paper somewhere where you'll see it. If you're watching online, I hope that you'll go either to our Facebook page or to our website. You'll find that graphic on there. You can download it and save it to your phone or print it out and put it somewhere where you'll see it. Whether or not you feel like laughing, whether or not life feels really hard, we can receive the divine gift of joy. So I invite you to pray this prayer every morning this week. And I'll pray it right now. God of delight, I give you thanks for good humor and joy. Open my eyes to the light of possibilities. And even when the day ahead holds difficulties, be near me, be with me, be beside me. Amen.